running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM in the Raiders mobile app. JT, on a very busy day as we get you ready for the Raiders at the Giants. Our Raiders have an opportunity to win and go 6-2 and two on the season here. That would be tremendous. That would be a best-case scenario for a season here that there's been some controversy, clearly the rug story this week, the tragedy of the car accident, killing a 23-year-old gal here from Las Vegas. Prayers go out to that family. Anything that we can do, anything that we can do on this show to help out that family, you know where to find me, at JT the Brick or our station's number if we can help out here. And uh, we get ready uh, to talk Raider football, also Golden Knights hockey coming up here because of the massive blockbuster trade for Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres, which to me is just massive, the commitment that this hockey team has to to put better players on the ice. Alex Tuck, who will leave as part of the trade, friend of the show. We've interviewed him. He played is from Syracuse, not going back too far from home. We wish him nothing but the best on that issue too. So you'll be hearing hockey throughout the year as Everybody's excited for Vegas and the NHL and the opportunity to win the Cup. And the Eichel trade, to me, shows that this team has always been all in. But now they are all in double duty on steroids. Eichel will need a surgery, disc replacement, so he'll be shut down for a while. But we'll see because they couldn't get a deal done in Buffalo, and that was a very complicated deal out there. So that's breaking news today. As we continue, I went in on a rant on Aaron Rodgers. We didn't get one call from a Raider fan on Aaron Rodgers and the treatment he's getting compared to the Raiders with COVID protocol last year. I'm shocked by that because Raider fans should have a strong opinion on that. If you want to get up, we'll get you up on that topic. 702-365-9200. And the other huge story, I think, which is really important, is Odell Beckham Jr. And we'll talk about his scenario and what's happening in Cleveland They excused him from practice again. And a lot of people are texting me and asking me, what do I think about Odell Beckham Jr. to the Raiders? I would love it. I'm a fan of Odell Beckham Jr. And I love value when you get a guy fresh who doesn't like his old team and loves your new team. I've always been a fan of that. But the show is back on the tracks again. It wasn't wasn't right without several appearances from Gary Lawless. As he's starting a new season, I'm in a new season with the Raiders. Now we have the legendary Golden Knights insider, part of the TV and radio broadcast on a breaking news day. Gary, good to have you. How are you, my friend? I'm good, JT. How are you, bud? I am great. I got a lot. I went to college in upstate New York. A lot of Sabre fans, buddies. Phone was blowing up this morning. Walk us through this blockbuster trade and how it came about. Well, uh, I think this has been uh, a lot of work, uh, Kelly McCrimmon said that this morning, he said, you know, you just don't expect players like this to ever be uh, available. And when it became clear 
in the summertime that uh, the Jack Eichel truly was available and the Sabres were going to trade him. He said we were interested. So, uh, you know, I think that conversations have probably been going on for, he said weeks and weeks and weeks today, which to me means months and months. This has been, they've been, uh, you know, working on a framework for a long time. Uh, and the deal is uh, um, Jack Eichel comes to Vegas, Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs go to Buffalo, a first-round pick goes to Buffalo, and then the teams flip their thirds uh, in uh, in another year as well. So uh, Jack Eichel is a generational talent uh, who was selected in a generational draft. Um, if you accept that... Uh, that McDavid and McKinnon are the, the, first, the top two centers in the NHL. Then there's another group right below them, Austin Matthews, uh, um, uh, Braden Point, Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Eichel is in that group. He is arguably the third best centerman in the National Hockey League. He's got a ton of speed and a great shot. He's a fantastic player on the power play. That's the, just that sentence right there should, uh, should get people in Vegas uh, excited. Um, just he's uh, dynamic, one of the most dynamic players in the world. And he will make the Vegas Golden Knights uh, a much better team. Uh, you know, it obviously it hurts. Alex Tuck is an original Golden Knight and, uh, and a good player. Uh, Peyton Krebs is going to be uh, is a wonderful young man and is going to be a good player. Uh, Jack, player Jack, Jack Eichel, players like this don't come along. You can't get them. He's only 25 years old. He's in his prime. And that's why um, it took a lot to, to get Jack Eichel. It should. Players like that shouldn't come easy. Uh, but uh, you know, Vegas was never going to be in a position to draft a guy like this. And then even if you do get the first or second overall pick, you went second overall behind McDavid, uh, even if you do get that pick, you don't know if the guy is going to turn out. So uh, this was a, a chance that doesn't come along, and it you know fits in with what Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have done. You know, they, they got this team in the first year that went all the way to the final. They looked at it and said, "Okay, there's good pieces here, but we can get better." And you know, since then they've added Pacioretty, they've added Stone, they've added Leonard, they've added Petrangelo, they've added Eichel, Martinez. You know, it's just been mm-hmm. the acquisition of high-end talent. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this before in the NHL. Like, it's incredible what these guys have, have been able to accomplish. And it's pretty much like they put their bullseye on a guy and they get him. Uh, they did not get Eric Carlson, and they should probably thank their lucky stars for that. But they worked hard to try and get Carlson, and it didn't work. And, and that being said, Carlson at the, t- at the trade deadline the year in year one when we went to the final, they, want to, they might have won the Stanley Cup, right? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's uh, um, sometimes uh, you, know, you worry about, like, you've got to worry about the, the second cup after you get the first cup. You have to get the first one before you can worry about all the other stuff. And, and like, it's very evident that the Golden Knights are all in right now. So to, to hold on to younger players and say, well, we need them for down the road, that, that doesn't make sense. This, this acquisition makes Vegas that much closer to, to being able to win a Stanley Cup. 
I love this move. It's all in. It's an ownership that wants to win the cup, has been close, and will do whatever they can do for the season ticket holders, the people who have committed their money to this franchise to get them the best product available. Now from a Buffalo insider who texted me this morning and said, and I'd like your analysis on this, he said, Eichel fun to watch when he's feeling it, painful when he was frustrated or in a bad mood, wasn't the leader we needed, couldn't figure out how to win. Vegas doesn't need him to be a leader. Granted, owners saddled him with substandard coaching. I hope he recovers from his surgery and enjoys less responsibility in Vegas because when healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. Tell me about the health and the organization, the Sabres, and why they thought they had to make this move. Well, he just got to that point there where he just, you know, he they just kept talking about rebuild every time they turned around. And then, they, you know, they got a little bit better a couple of years ago. They were all in at the, at the deadline. They got Taylor Hall. It didn't work. They fired the GM. They hired a new GM. You know, you're a young guy, and you realize that there's a window. There's an expiration date. On, on your ability to play, and you're like, okay, well, so when I got here, we were five years away. Now you're telling me we're five years away again. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I can understand why you got frustrated. It's, it's, it's one thing for a, a team to say to you, okay, we, we want you to buy in and we want to do this, but to have to, to, to repeat it repetitively say we're starting over, uh, you know, it makes it really hard on on a young guy, and I think that that fractured their relationship. Jack got unhealthy, and they had a to me a, a like I don't understand why you wouldn't want Jack Eichel to let him pick the surgery he wants. Uh, who wants Jack Eichel's neck to be to be mm-hmm. healthy more than Jack Eichel, right? Like it's not like they've, they've it's not like this has been done willy nilly. You know, he is. They've done a ton of research and work on figuring out that the, the disc replacement surgery, the ADR, artificial disc replacement surgery, is the best thing for Jack. So he'll have that done sometime next week is my guess. And then uh, he said today he thinks he'll be able to play in, in three months. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kelly McCrimmon has no idea. He said three, four, five months. It, it, it'll be what it'll be. Uh, but when he comes back, it won't, it won't, this guy is not going to take three weeks to get ramped up to be. Did we lose Gary? Bobby, I think we lost him because I have another. Let's see if we can get him back here. This is a massive interview with Gary Lawless. This guy knows hockey as good as anybody, nationally, globally. And this move, the trade for Jack Eichel, is just incredible. So Gary, continuing on with that, the the health of him, and the fact that he will have time to heal and come back at a hundred percent or close to that, the struggles that the team's already had with injuries. What are your expectations when he comes back with the roster that is left here after the trade? Well, I expect him to contend for the Stanley Cup. This mm-hmm. is you know you look you look around the the West and you've got a center of McKinnon in Colorado. McDavid in uh, in in Edmonton, uh, uh, the big guy in uh, in LA, Kopitar, and now Vegas has Eichel, uh, one of the very best, uh, and he will improve their power play. I, I just I just think Vegas's chances at winning the Stanley Cup dramatically improved today. I agree with you. I think it's 
it just from what we do, you cover sports and the NHL as good as anybody I know. Just uh, I'm trying to always connect the show, Gary, to the fan. It's, the show's always about the fan who sits in the upper deck yeah, that doesn't have the access. They're going to have a yeah. blast walk, watching Jack Eichel play. Like, if that's the number one line, Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty, oh. it might be the best line in the NHL. Absolutely. Thanks for making time for us, bud. It's going to be scary. Talk to you guys later. Thank you. A busy day to get Gary Lawless on. Uh, For those who are listening who know hockey, especially everybody in Vegas where we're based, this is such a big deal. It's incredible that Bill Foley, Kelly McCrimmon, the entire organization, George McPhee went in on Jack Eichel, who, as Gary said, top three centermen in the league, what he does on the power play, and as this team, this team has been so successful financially and starting off their run here in Vegas that they've been to the playoffs deep every year. They, they could just say, hey, man, we paid for all these guys. If we don't make it this year or we get close, no big deal. No, they're all in. And, and what is clearly the most exciting product in the NHL, that would be T-Mobile Arena, where you go in, it's like going into a nightclub, a rock concert, a sporting event, So you get that for the price of your money. And, yeah, the tickets are expensive. Raider tickets are expensive. But then you you get Jack Eichel to come in. I mean, YouTube Jack Eichel. Just YouTube Jack Eichel goals and to see what he could be. But he's an injured player uh, in in a bad organization, and he got his get-out-of-jail-free card. And Buffalo gets something in return with Krebs and Tuck and the picks to hopefully launch their rebuild. But they've been eternally rebuilding. And Vegas is trying to win the cup. We appreciate Gary Lawless for joining us there. If you're a Vegas Golden Knight fan, we did not forget you, but we've been pretty busy here with breaking news with the Raiders the last couple of weeks, and we'll make sure that we get you the Golden Knights content that you expect on this show in this time slot. 702-365-9200. We only got this show this rest of the hour. Vic Tafer is going to join us next. And then we have tomorrow's show on Friday. Uh, to get your analysis of the Giants coming in. What concerns you about this game? How confident are you? Who do you think needs to have the breakout game? I went all in on Darren Waller. I think this is a Waller game to get him and feed the monster. Just go feed Waller again. I I don't care if he's double teamed, as I said in the open. He'll break the double team. Line him up in the slot. As I told you yesterday, I think the key to this franchise moving forward without rugs and Ruggs is now the past, is to get Foster Moreau to get the tight end targets that a tight end should get in this league. How many do you think a tight end should get per game if he's not super elite? And Moreau could be. You know, on another team, he could be super elite. But say say Foster Moreau gets six to seven targets as a tight end, and Waller gets 12 to 13 as a tight end slash hybrid receiver. You know, those are 20 targets. Or maybe 15 total. Maybe it's 12 for Waller and 4 or 5 or a little bit more for Moreau. Then you're sitting here going, okay, now Edwards, Renfro, Drake. With with Ruggs being gone, I think the two players that will benefit the most from their targets is going to be Foster Moreau and Kenyon Drake. Do you agree with that? That would be Drake on the screens and lining him up where he could get open. And then, of course, Moreau, who could be the the tight end that's not double-teamed in the red zone as Waller continues to be double-teamed. But this is Waller time. I really believe it's his time as a leader to come through and get off that plane in New Jersey, New York, and say, I got it. 
and for Derek and for Waller to sit around in the meeting room and go, all right, this is our matchup. This is how we beat the Giants over the middle. This is how we beat them underneath. And then maybe we could take a shot deep downfield. And please, please throw a fade route to Waller in the end zone. Let him go high point the football and and go get it because it's tough to double-team a tight end in motion. And I think that's what they got to do. They got to move him off the line. Greg Olson also speaking. We'll try to give you some of that as we get ready for Vic Tafer, who's coming up. We might have to move Vic because of the press conferences when we, we have an opportunity to get him on. So Vic Tafer, part of the press conferences. Howard Balls is supposed to check in. Uh, when we come back, more of that. Hey, have you been to Five Iron Golf? I'll be there on Saturday, Saturday mid-morning, as I'm going to be hitting golf balls, getting my swing loose for the Raiders golf tournament next week. I'm off Tuesday. Raiders have their golf tournament at Shadow Creek, and I'll help MC that. I love playing Shadow Creek, but I got to get inside Five Iron Golf to dial in my game inside Area 15. I think the one word I can think of is selfless. Um, that our, our our superstar player and our tight end is the most selfless player on our team, you know. And and when your best player is your most selfless player, everyone has to follow in line, you know. Who can who can argue about not getting targets and if his targets go from twenty to four one day, you know, he's he's the biggest cheerleader on the sideline. The game that he's not playing, you know, he's the most supportive, you know, and. and Uh, I I would say that just being selfless. Derek Carves had a lot to say. JT, back with you. Busy day for Vic Tafer. Busy week. The events surrounding Henry Ruggs and the fatality car accident, him being released, and the Raiders get set to take on the New York Giants. And, Vic, as far as I go back with you, especially in the years in Oakland, and now what's happened this year as a journalist, What's this week been like for you, especially initially chasing the rug story as it happened in the middle of the night and you were looking for information? Yeah, I think it's been numbing. I think that's the best way I can describe it. I'm still kind of uh, in shock over the whole thing. Uh, obviously, I think one of the sadder uh, days in the history of the franchise. I just, um, to me, it's just, you know, I just can't imagine. You know, it just shows you one horrible decision can change so many lives and uh, ended, one, ended one life and ruined uh, Silver others, so I just think that uh, you know, football is obviously still on the schedule, but uh, it just shows you just uh, how more important some things are. Yeah, Vic, it really is. It's such a tragedy, and you know that, and you've you've written about it. And Henry had a big impact on the team this year. So as we move on from him as a member of the Raiders, and we look at the impact on the field with targets going forward, as the Raiders get set for this trip back east, how do you think it affects the game plan going into the Giants game? Well, definitely going to lose the ability, you know, to stretch the field. That was Ruggs' big thing was his speed. But I think as far as having a guy you can plug in and feel comfortable about, I mean, they are very high on Zay Jones. I think they've been high on him the last couple of years. He's always, you know, worked hard with, with Derek in the off season. He's mentioned, you know, countless mornings in the park. So I think they know each other very well. I think he's shown, even this year, flashes of, of some big plays he's made. So I think it's that part. That part would be okay. I think the depth, I mean, they're going to call up Dylan Stoner to uh, – fill out the active roster, and he had some good you know, some good glimpses in preseason. So I think the depth will be more of a question. But as far as plugging the guy into the lineup, I think they're, they're pretty confident in Zay Jones. 
Vic Tafer. Yeah, he, he has to play big. This is a big opportunity for him. You know, Vic, I'm a fan of Odell Beckham Jr. like I would have been. I was a fan of Antonio Brown when he came initially. I like the concept of a fresh start and an opportunity to do something great. We know what happened with Antonio Brown. What's the buzz around the organization in regards to finding Deshaun Jackson or a, a stretching wide receiver if they don't believe Jones is the guy who can do it? Yeah, I think Beckham, I mean, we'll wait and see what happens if they're going to release him or not with the Browns. But I was talking to their, their, their writer for us, the athletic, and um, he's really hurt. I think his shoulder and knee injuries are, are even more than people know about. So I'm not sure how much of an impact he'll be able to have once he came aboard. And Deshaun Jackson going to go through waivers. Obviously, he has the speed he wants, but I'm not sure if he's going to be a fit as far as will he want you know, a certain amount of, of, uh, of targets he has. I mean, after contracts, uh, clauses in his contract, where he, gets, you know, he wants to get more. That's why he left the Rams, so I'm not sure if that's a, a natural fit as well. Vic Tafer joins us. Vic, I've been talking all show about the touches for Waller. I know he's going to get double-teamed. The Giants just double-teamed Kelsey. I mean, they literally shut him down, and the Giants played what Kurt Warner said was really sticky defense. They kept everybody in front of them. They double-teamed Tyreek Hill, and they double-teamed Kelsey. Considering the COVID issues they have had, and they're on a short week, wouldn't you suggest they're going to have the same exact game plan? Instead of Mahomes and Kelsey, it's going to be Carr and Waller and try to double-team him. I don't think so, especially now with Ruggs not being part of the equation. I think you have to look at if you're opposing defense, you got to double-team Waller and make somebody else beat you. And that's where we mentioned Zay Jones and Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro guys, guys step up. So I think you'd like to just say, you know what, Waller will be a number one guy. I'll give him more targets. But it's going to be hard. Like you said, I think the Giants and all the teams are really – focus on him like they have been, uh, even more so than they have been in the past. Uh, Vic, as we wrap this up, what is your analysis of Coach Passaccia and what he's been dealing with since the resignation of John Gruden, now the Ruggs tragedy? And now, you know, his, he told me on TV his big background as a Giant fan and his comments about his dad, a love of that team. Emotionally, a big spot for him there. Go back and all his years with Dallas and knowing Jason Garrett. Uh, tell me what you think is going through the mind of the coach heading into this game. It is a big spot. I'm sure it's kind of lessened because of what happened this past week. I think, you know, he's very tight with the players as, as just, before he became a head coach. I'm sure dealing with that and kind of their emotions this week has been probably for the forefront of his duties. I know he's uh, has a very calming way. He's a very, I think, a very good in that aspect. So I think he's been probably really good for his team as they're trying to move forward somehow, if you can, from this, this horrible tragedy. Vic, last question. Is it fair to tie in the way that the NFL hammered the Raiders last year financially with COVID protocol and to ask what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers now, considering it, it's clear to a lot of people that he broke COVID protocol? It might have been up to eight weeks, starting with the preseason. Well, what are your colleagues saying about this? What do you think we should be looking at with that story with the league and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Yeah, I think it's very fair to ask that question. I think the NFL will have access to all the videos inside the Packers facility to see what exactly happened. I think um, you would hope that just because he's a superstar, it would be any kind of different you know, uh, repercussions than there were for other teams. Like you mentioned, the Raiders last year got hammered. And what well, the Broncos had to play a game without a quarterback. So I think mm-hmm. you would hope that the league would definitely – and again – you can't have much faith in the league based on what we've seen over the years. They can't do what they want, however they want to do it. They don't really care about, you know, uh, reason or, or, or rational thinking. But you would hope that this would be, just in terms of fair play, they look at this and kind of hammer them the same way they've hammered other teams in the past. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate your time. Always reading you at The Athletic. Thank you. I right, take care.
You got it, Vic Tafer. A good analysis on that. What Vic said at the end. I mean, what could you, what could you say about the league here? How, how do you expect the league? All we want is transparency, and we want the league to be consistent. I'm a fan of the NFL. I, I say this on my night show. I'm a season ticket holder. You know how much money I'm paying for the, my season tickets in Allegiant Stadium? Anyone going to guess? I, I'm a fan of the NFL. I am a fan of NFL football. I go to games. I'm in an industry now with some guys who do what I do that haven't been to a football game in six years. And they go on the radio and say, I don't go to games. I sit in my man cave. I sit in the sports book. Well, I, I, I pump money into the NFL economy at the game, at the bar, whatever I'm doing, entertaining people, having fun. So I'm not against the league. I'm not into conspiracy theories, but I'm into transparency. I'm into all of that. And, and I'd like to know your opinion if you can tie in the way the league treats the Raiders compared to where the league treats Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a fair topic today. I hope that my colleagues are talking about that also on Raider Nation Radio. I hope that everybody sees this. It is right in front of us that the way that the league treats Mark Davis's team in Vegas and in Oakland compared to the way other teams are treated. Vic made a really good point that the NFL has access to all the video inside the building. So here's what we're led to believe, and this could be true. It could be true that Aaron Rodgers, when we don't see him at a press conference, is walking around the building with a mask on. That would be the only way that we could justify this, is that the league requests the video inside the Packers facility. They go through hundreds or thousands of hours of video. They stop the video. They rewind Aaron Rodgers coming out of the meeting room, going to wherever he's going to next, and he has a mask on. Because if not, then what are we doing with COVID protocol? Why is anybody getting vaccinated? Why is anyone wearing a mask? Why? You're supposed to have rules in place that are stricter for those who are not vaccinated. Say that with me again. If you're not vaccinated, including you, the listener to Raider Nation Radio, the rules need to be stricter for you And I agree with that. So you can't go to Allegiant Stadium to a Raider game if you're not vaccinated. That's a pretty strict rule. You can't go to the Thomas and Mack to see UNLV basketball if you're not vaccinated. That seems pretty strict to me. Well, what are the rules? What are the rules for Aaron Rodgers? All right, moments ago, Greg Olson, offensive coordinator of the Raiders, met the media. Here he is. By saying, you know, the entire Raiders organization's thoughts and prayers are with the family of Tina Tintor are deeply saddened by this tragedy and it's affected a, l- a number of people. A life's been taken and we can't get it back. And uh, just want to know our thoughts are with her family. And I'll start with questions. Greg, what um, have these last couple of days been for you uh, personally? I mean, you know, these guys are players, but they're also human beings and you got you have a relationship with them. So, yeah, diff- obviously a difficult week. Um, and I think the older you get in life, the more you learn how to compartmentalize things. Uh, and certainly in the coaching profession, you have to learn to compartmentalize and uh, understand that there's still a, you know, a game to be played on Sunday. So uh, that was a big part of this week is, uh, you know, learning how to, you know, uh, there's a lot of grieving going on, now with players, coaches, everybody involved. So um, again, the b- biggest thing we'd say is they're resilient. They're a resilient group of players. Uh, I've always talked about a strong character group of guys uh, that I've had a chance to work with on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, as hard as it was, 
uh, they managed to to get a good two days of work in. You have a lot of young players on this team that you maybe not have had as much time to go through some of those life experiences. How uh, helpful has it been having you know you all as coaches and some of the veterans on the roster to lean off them? I think that's part of it. You know, uh, those of us in the room, you know, those of us that are parents have children of our own and and have, you know dealt with experience or dealt with tragedy. Uh, you know, I mentioned it with our group yesterday that some of us are lucky enough not to have been through a lot of tragedy in our lives, but those that have, it hardens you again, and uh, you learn how to how to deal with it. So, uh, you know, we've had we've offered counseling, obviously, to those players, uh, to all of our players, uh, but they, you know, they, I think everyone manages it and deals with grief in their own way. But it, again, from what I witnessed this week, it was a as difficult as it was. It was a good. Uh, week of work. Greg, uh, Judge had said that with what they're going through back there, they have, it's, it's sort of preparing for the unknown. Your team sort of did that last year. There was one week where you didn't know how much of the offensive line was going to be there. Um, is, it, is it the same on this side, though, when you're facing a team that you don't know who they're going to have, that you're, you're preparing for the unknown, or is it maybe easier because you just keep go, stick to your game plan and not worry about what, who they're going to have available? You know, I think we keep going. Uh, last week, for instance, we, you know, Darren Waller, we went up through Friday's practice or two weeks ago before we played uh, Philly. We, you know, we went with Darren Waller on Friday's practice. He'd, he'd gotten a, a nicked in practice. But initial reports from the training room were that he was going to be able to play, and we didn't know until Sunday right before kickoff uh, when we went and worked him out that he wasn't able to play. So there was a quick meeting between myself and Edgar Bennett and uh, Austin King and, and Johnny Morton, where we had to, again, at that point, move a lot of the personnel groupings around. Edgar had to have an emergency meeting with the wide receivers now because Hunter Renfro became a part of the package that Darren Waller was a part of. So um, I think they learned to they learned to kind of go on a fly. Again, we've got an extremely intelligent group of skilled players, uh, and that helps, obviously, when you start changing personnel groups, especially late in the week like we've done. So... Uh, I think, you know, sometimes the unknown is good for our guys. They've got, a, a, again, a, a large library of plays to choose from, and they know uh, kind of the reason behind the plays in terms of the coverages and, and blitzes that we're trying to attack. I think they understanding the intent of the play is important, and I think all those position groups understand the intent of what we're trying to do. To piggyback on becoming a part of a package with the receiver situation, how does Zay Jones fit in, in, as far as maybe expanding that playbook and and maybe emerging um, in, in just a bigger role. Yeah, we always talk about opportunity, and they, it comes in a lot of different forms, and this is a, uh, an opportunity for Zay, not the opportunity he was looking for, but uh, we've always felt real strong about Zay Jones and his abilities as a receiver and abilities as, as to play the Z position. Uh, and he's had a very good week of practice, but he's had, he's had good weeks of practice, uh, you know, in the past. So if you were to talk to not only just Derek, but the rest of the, the players, uh, on offense, I'm talking every position, O-line, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks. Uh, they've got all the confidence in the world in Zay, and we do as well as the staff. So, um, you know, we're, we're very, very thankful to have him, and, and we're eager to see what, what he can do. As a, as a coach, when it comes to the compartmentalization, it, do you find yourself really challenged not to be angry or disappointed from the big picture in what you're doing just in the simple tasks with your guys? Yeah, again, I, again, I think it goes back to being able to compartmentalize. And there is a time, again, uh, like we said, a life was lost. 
and the families. Families, it's a tragedy for a number of families. But um, again, the Tinner family, uh, it just can't fathom that. But I also know that you know Henry Ruggs is not a monster. Henry Ruggs is a good, good person that you know made a succession of poor decisions that led to a horrific result. But um, a very popular player here. Uh, you again the guilt that you feel. Uh, in the building, I think we, we'd be talking out of both sides of your mouth. We'd like to talk about this being a family. We're a family atmosphere here with this team. And uh, your guilt of not knowing, um, not knowing what maybe was going on when Henry left the building or not being there to have somebody, somebody be the adult in the situation and stop those series of decisions from happening. And that's the guilt that you feel, you know, as a coach and as a teammate. Uh, but... You know, again, that, that we got to play on Sunday, and, and the players got to be ready to go, and we got to be ready to coach. So, uh, again, just find a way to compartmentalize it. Wow. How strong is that comment from Greg Olson about Henry in the building and being a part of that family, but what happened and what they didn't know outside the building and how to figure this out going forward? These are some of the most emotional and important comments ever in the history of the Raider organization by players and coaches and they're right up front and they're answering these questions honestly and every team would do this in the league but it's happening to this team at this point and it's just incredible to hear what these coaches and players are saying there's a reason why greg olson gus bradley Derek carr and rich basaccia are available for the media they have vast experience and they are put out to speak on behalf of the players and the organization. And they're doing a, a really good job under tough times. Hey, coming up next, my friend Howard Balzer. He covers the Arizona Cardinals. He's a Hall of Fame voter. A great insider for SiriusXM. We talk every two to three weeks. His grid day is up today. And thanks again to Vic Tafer, who joined us right here on Raider Nation Radio. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. Howard Balzer, kind enough to join us. He covers the Cardinals at the highest level. He's a Hall of Fame voter. You hear him on SiriusXM NFL Radio. Howard, good to talk to you again, and there's a lot of big topics. I want to get to the tragedy first of Henry Ruggs III. Uh, Not too far from where I live, that car accident, which was fiery, killed a 23-year-old woman, and how something like that could happen nowadays with all the resources that players have around this league to get help and not have to drink and drive. Yeah, we, you know, every time something like that happens, you shake your head. But I think, and I'm not defending, so I don't want this to come off the wrong way. But one of the problems and one of the issues is in when someone, someone is that inebriated, they're not thinking clearly. And so to then make a rational decision and say, oh, okay, I'll just find a different way home and leave my car wherever it is, and you're not thinking clearly. And so that's what essentially happens. But to be driving, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just horrifying, JT, and tragic that obviously something like this happened. And from my understanding, going as, as fast as he allegedly was and not even on the freeway 
is just hard to comprehend how how that could happen. But obviously, tragic life life is lost. A career could very well uh, be over, and how you ever get over that, I I don't know. I don't know how that you know that that can be. And so yeah. the Raiders have moved on from him, obviously, and now somehow a team that has gone through the whole John Gruden situation in pretty good shape, obviously, in the AFC West, now has to uh, deal with this, and especially with, with the story with Derek Carr having exchanged a text with him just a few hours before this all happened. It's just, it's just hard, it's hard to fathom, really. It truly is. Howard Balls is our guest. So, Howard, the other story, so that, that's a serious tragedy. Now we go to the breaking news of Aaron Rodgers and the announcement that he's COVID positive. And the fact that the media wasn't aware that he wasn't vaccinated when he said he was immunized and then just blew through that. What are your sources telling you or what shocks you the most about this? The fact that there was not a media member from beat writers in Green Bay to even the biggest NFL insiders who sensed this could be the case with him. And now he's not available to play in an NFL game against a team that's been to the last couple of Super Bowls. Well, well, the thing about it is, JT, there's no way for any of us on the outside, no matter for media, people, fans, whoever, to know who is vaccinated and who isn't. It's not as if unless a player absolutely comes out and says, I, I'm not getting vaccinated like some have, you mm-hmm. don't really know. And so and especially with Rogers, who apparently now the league is investigating, didn't follow the protocols of when you're supposed to wear a mask when you aren't vaccinated. And so. Now it, it comes all, you, I don't know, crashing down is the right way to look at it, but what will the league do? And so everyone certainly believed he was when he made that comment and then made the comment after that, that, and, uh, you know, and other guys make personal decisions. If they, if they choose not to, it's not for me to criticize. So it mm-hmm. certainly sounded like he had gone out and done it. But, I mean, just like last week with the Packers, uh, the day after Devontae Adams tested positive and it was reported he was vaccinated, that Alan Lazard went on the list as a close contact. And the only reason he's on the list as a close contact is because he wasn't vaccinated and missed a game because of that. And so it's, it's still, and I know a lot of people disagree, but so be it. Mm-hmm. But when you get vaccinated, you're doing it for a lot of reasons, to protect yourself, to protect others who, who are around you and your family and to help protect your team and for your team. And now Aaron Rodgers, now who knows? He might have tested positive anyway if he was vaccinated, but he'd have mm-hmm. a chance to come back quicker if he was vaccinated as opposed to unvaccinated. And now they're facing at least one game without him and perhaps two, depending on when he is able to have two negative tests together and is asymptomatic. So How- it, it's just, it just blows my mind that, that, that guys make these decisions, but then all around the country – a lot more are making that decision, and I quite honestly don't understand it. Howard Balls is our guest. Yeah, you nailed it because if he was vaccinated, we know he's not going to miss two games. We're pretty confident in that, and he might have been able to test negative and get ready for this game, and you just saw what happened in that Kyler Murray game with Aaron Rodgers. That was an unbelievable game as I transitioned to the status now of Kyler Murray, who got banged up in that game, especially late. What can you tell us about his his health going forward as this team has only dropped one game, and it was a game they could have won if the receiver and the quarterback was, were on the same page with 14 seconds left. Yeah, and, and not only that, but even if A.J. Green, who 
apparently thought didn't get a signal that Murray was coming to him and thought the ball was going to the other side of the field, you still wonder why he didn't turn around. I mean, who runs into the end zone on a yeah. pass pattern, looks like they're blocking a guy, and doesn't even turn around in the event that maybe Murray looks left and doesn't find anybody and then goes back to the other side. And by the way, A.J. Green tested positive, or at least he was put on the reserve COVID list by the Cardinals, and so now they won't have him most likely on Sunday. They might, they'll have perhaps a compromised DeAndre Hopkins, who only played 15 snaps in the game against Green Bay, and now Kyler Murray battling an injury to his left ankle, which my sense is he will play, JT. From what I've been told, it's more it's about the swelling going down to be manageable. He did speak to the media today, and he wasn't wearing a wrap. He wasn't he didn't look to be taped up, and so that might be a good sign. He was also asked, he talked about being able to protect myself is the key, and someone asked him, well, if you had to play today, do you feel you could protect yourself? And he said yes. So my sense, he's going to play. However, if you don't have, you won't have Green, and you might not have Hopkins, and if you do have Hopkins, he might, he's not going to be probably close to 100%. How will that offense perform against a defense that is still pretty darn good with the 49ers? And played one of the better games this year against the Cardinals a few weeks ago in Arizona when when the Cardinals only scored 17 points. So that's going to be a very intriguing matchup as the 49ers try to get back to 500 and the Cardinals try to avoid losing their second straight game. Howard Balzer, NFL Radio Hall of Fame voter. Uh, your opinion on what's going on with the Chargers losing two in a row. Were you surprised that Belichick in New England got out of L.A. with that win? They made plays on Justin Herbert who everybody was crowning two or three weeks ago as an MVP candidate. Have teams figured out Herbert a bit? It looks like he's staring down some receivers. It hasn't been that easy. No, it hasn't been. And he, he had been anointed, and he's the hottest thing going, and now all of a sudden he's come back a little bit to earth. Of course, that can happen when you play New England. And the Patriots you know, often come up with, with defenses that, uh, that can challenge the best, the best of players. So uh, now in a very competitive division where uh, Kansas City is, you know, is up and down, although, hey, you know, they, they catch a break with playing the Packers this week without Aaron Rodgers, so we'll see if they can capitalize on it. But they didn't play that well, obviously, against the Giants. So the Chargers have a real opportunity here, but Herbert has to play a lot more uh, consistent and, and, and do, a lot, do what he had been doing for pretty much the last all of last season and the first part of this year. So I don't know if it's as much figuring it out as they, they just have to get, get things more consistent on offense. But, hey, like I said, when you're playing the Patriots, you know you're going to be in for a battle and no matter what that team's record is. Howard Balzo, as we wrap it up, without Derrick Henry, yeah, I think of them as a team that's going to win the division in Nashville. They can hold on because the Colts are such a mess. But after that, I don't know if they can win without Derrick Henry because he changes the games and makes them a lot more violent in the postseason where teams tend to get a little bit more conservative and they want to play it closer to the vest. What a loss. How about just some comments, Howard, on just the injuries? You've been covering this sport a long time. I think we say this every year. We've been friends a long time. Injuries seem to be mounting up earlier and earlier every year, and now we go out to 17 games. Yeah, no, no, exactly. All the talk about player safety, and they added another regular season game, and the talk continues that at some point, who knows when, but it'll probably happen at some point, an 18th game. Not good for player safety. And it's a, it's a sport that has a lot of injuries. 
You can't avoid them. It's, it's, a, it's a survival of the fittest. I, I know there was a report last week at the league meetings that even beyond the serious injuries like feet, knees, and all that, that soft tissue injuries are at a five-year a five, a five high. And so it's something that has to be looked at overall and everything that goes on in the NFL. But whoever can avoid them is, is the team that usually, you know, usually does well and gets to the postseason and, and can go on a run. And for, for the Titans, yeah, I mean, it, it's not only what Henry does. I mean, I've seen some comments, well, there were a couple of games where he didn't run that well and we still won. Yeah, but the difference is he's on the field and defenses have to account for his presence. With him not there, defenses will play that team totally different and they'll be uh, ganging up a little bit more in the passing game and just daring them to see if they can do anything in the running game. So I would have to believe that's going to have an impact unless they find someone who can do some good things in the running game. And so I don't know that the answer is Adrian Peterson. He might have some good plays here and there, but I doubt that he can be consistent game in and game out. So they might, ha- they might have to find lightning in the bottle uh, with someone else, like the Browns did a couple weeks ago with Dearness Johnson. We saw what Derek Gore did Monday night. Young, fresh legs a lot of times are what you need to have, but I don't see that on the, on the Titans roster right now. Howard, last one. What happens with Odell Beckham Jr.? I know the Saints with Michael Thomas being gone, the Raiders, we started losing rugs. I'm a big fan if you can get him for the right price, and he's going to behave at his new job more so than his old job. That's for damn sure the way it ended with the Giants and what's happening with Stefanski now. Uh, what do you think happens? What are your sources telling you with Beckham and Cleveland and the exit strategy? It's a great question because if the Browns do release him, you know, it's one thing what happened with the Giants, but this was a good team he was on. And the reality is he wasn't available all that much. And so – I, I would. There's no question a team will give him an opportunity, a team that really has a need, as you mentioned. But the question is, can you get to a new team in the middle of the season and be comfortable in the offense, get comfortable with your quarterback in terms of the timing that you have to have to be successful, and then make plays? And, and that's something that he hasn't done a whole lot of over the last couple of years. So, like I said, someone will take a chance but I, I, I'm not so sure that it's going to work out as great. Whatever that team is, I'm not so sure it's going to work out as good as they think it will be. But they won't spend a lot of money on it, and they'll see what happens. But, you know, some, someone will grab him. I don't know if it will be on waivers if he is cut, but mm-hmm. someone will bring him in as a free agent and then, then see if they can help him. But, uh, you, know, fan, you know how it is, JT. Fans, they, they love names, and they love mm-hmm. the, the star power. But sometimes that doesn't work out the way everybody believes it will. And, and it'll, it'll have to be proven to me that he can do the things that he's capable of with whatever team he goes to because he certainly hasn't been able to do it with the Browns. Howard Balzer, follow him at si.com slash NFL Cardinals. Cardinals are fortunate to have one of the all-time greats covering the team, and you catch him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Good to talk to you, my friend. I'll talk to you in a few weeks. My pleasure, JT. Look forward to it. Take care. Oh, always my pleasure, Howard. Thank you. Always great. couple of quick points, Spirit, before we wrap it up. First, ninth caller, ninth caller, two tickets to the Stones. My band. You're welcome. 702-365-9200. Ninth caller, two tickets for the Stones. Also, former Rams wide receiver Deshaun Jackson went unclaimed on waivers. Jackson is now free to sign with any team. Would I like Deshaun Jackson with the Raiders? Sure. 
Why wouldn't I? He's a game breaker. He can run fast. Chemistry-wise, does he fit in? That's up to Mike Mayock and the price. But it's a much cheaper price than expected. I say the same thing about Odell Beckham Jr. And the Raiders have signed free agent wide receiver Dylan Stoner. The club just announced that. So some housekeeping items, as we say in radio. What a show today. Vic Tafer, fantastic. Howard Balzer. Gary Lawless on the Jack Eichel trade. How about that? It's the type of show I like to do. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week. Rolling Stones on Saturday night. You know what that means to me and my wife. Can't wait to be in Allegiant Stadium to kind of let off some steam, wink, wink, and see the Stones. This will not happen again, pretty much, unless they had another date, right? But go see Mick and Keith, and hopefully I see you at the show. And then Sunday, we'll be at the M Resort Spa Casino for the pregame show, early 8 in the morning. So that's where we're at. Q's coming up. Vinny Monsignor, thanks for listening.